Yeah, yeah. I want to get like good headphones because then if we have big headphones headphones? on, no, not like big ones. Because if we have those on, then we look really, really professional. We do, and that's the that's the most important thing about podcasting: the looking professional. (laughs) Dry martini. Oui, monsieur. Wait. Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kina Lily, shake it over rice, and then add a thin slice of lemon peel. Yes, sir. I wonder if people will notice that we sound different. Are we going to notice? Because if we notice, people will notice. Are we going to speak different? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> because <clears throat> the thing is with this, with our with our podcast, even though we've been doing it for quite a while, sort of the the elephant in the room has always been, you know, how, how, shit, it, how <laughs> shit it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but then I would, but then I would start thinking, oh, this sounds terrible. Or like, what happens? I'd listen to someone else's podcast, and you're like, and oh, oh that the quality so is good. fantastic. But once you start listening to something, if you're into the conversation, you well, forget about the sound. That's exactly it. Then I would listen back to ours, and I'd go, actually, no, this isn't that bad. And I'd start listening <laughs> to it, and I'm like, no, no, this is okay. And then my apathy would uh, would would sort of resurge, but. Now, this is our first episode with our cool new microphones. Yep. And we both have a microphone. The setup is amazing. But the thing is, with us now both having our own microphones, I've removed the only reason I ever could have to ask people to give any money to Patreon. Not that we have a Patreon anymore. (laughs) Do we not? Well, I think it's still technically there, but I mean, I don't bring it up. I mean, the five cents that Christine gives us every couple of weeks is... I feel like the Patreon is kind of like a hair... You know, when you had a haircut once. And you're like, (laughs) well, you know, I felt okay about it at the time, but I'm not going to bring it up now. (laughs) But then it grew out again and you're like, okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why don't we have any sponsors on this Um, show? I think that sort of question is answered by actually having people listen to the show. Well, yeah. Yeah. Or would you think sponsors would bring listeners? Yes. As though, like, the sponsors in turn advertise this podcast. Well, we could advertise this show as, you know, Exceptional Thieves as sponsored by... Nike. Adidas, yeah. (laughs) I like that we both went to sportswear. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought, As Nike, that's probably a little bit high. Starbucks. Let's scale that down a little bit. Let's go Adidas. <laughs> Puma. <laughs> Sponsored by Puma. No, New Balance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> New Balance. A brand named after recovering from a stroke. <laughs> the that, shoes that old men wear. Finding that New Balance. Um, yeah. No, I'm enjoying. I like adjusting this microphone. That feels very professional. So it's our third episode of... Our Daniel Craig Grand Tour. Daniel Craig, the DC Grand Tour. This is the first one we've recorded with the world knowing about it. And by the world, I mean three to four people on Facebook. Cool. And I think this, and this is the first episode where I know what our music is. (laughs) That's beneficial. So, yeah, so our intro music is by the Vivisectors. Ooh. Who are a Russian... Surf psychedelic. Oh, I've band. always loved those guys. Yeah, yeah. Did we we and, saw those guys live, didn't we? Oh, uh, um, only in our minds and hearts. Oh, okay, sweet. Do they not perform live? 
I don't know anything about them, man. All I know is <laughs> I found their music on a free music website. And I was like, I hope this is free because I hope I'm not just stealing someone someone's just music take their accidentally. Music and put it on there. But yeah, anyway. Um, and we've got our artwork up now by. I saw that. It's beautiful. Ryan Sim, who has guested on the show. He has. On the Watchmen episode. Unfortunately, also the episode that most highlights the limitations of our previous one microphone system. It does also end the limitations of some people's opinions on the movie Watchmen. What was... I don't think Ryan liked Watchmen as much as he could have. Okay, okay. Well, we're not, not everyone's going to agree on everything. Exactly. Um, Which is why we have guests so and, often on this podcast. And let's not... <laughs> I mean, let's not come out of the gate, you know, criticizing one of our very few guests for, <laughs> you know... Few? <laughs> If if you if, if you'd like to have <laughs> very your few guests, <laughs> if you'd like to have your opinions criticised down the track when you're no longer in the room and can't defend them, come on the show, come on the pod. <laughs> Be told you're wrong by Isaac. Welcome back to being told you're wrong by Isaac. <laughs> Just about one film. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Ryan's opinions on other films are valid and okay. Right, it's a weird sort of. It's weird how much being valid lines up with agreeing with you. <laughs> That's uncanny. Does that sound your... Yeah, there's a, a breathy thing coming from my, my, my tablet at the moment. I your, can remove that. Your tablet sounds out of breath. Yep. It sounds like it's got asthma. It's not young. It's straining. It's not a baby tablet. No. No, she, it's not young or nubile. Yeah, it sounds like it's seen some things. It, I can have it turned nubile, off. Um, yeah, I did say that. That is a word I said. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> That's, I, that feels weird. Um, it's up to you, man. I've got information on this that we could utilize. Yeah, no, that's right. You can leave it on. Um, See, because normally we have these episodes where you go on Google and shit and it takes quite a while. And I, th- I feel as if we do it together, yeah, we'll be able to find that information a lot okay. quicker. Right. But you know I do find it as fast as, as humanly possible. Like, you're not going to find it faster than I found it. Probably not. But it's I feel just... as though if we're both searching. But then if we're both searching, then there's just a point in the podcast where no one's talking <laughs> while we're both Googling. I'll probably be like, um... Yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> Welcome back to Long Vowel Sounds <laughs> with Sam and Isaac. Uh, no. So, welcome back to Craig... Daniel Craig's Craigslist. Grand Tour. Craigslist! Have we not thought of that yet? No! <laughs> okay. It's a list... No, that that is not as good idea as I felt like it was then for a second. Like, then when I got all excited. It's because it's kind of... We're not really not making really... a list. No, but we are working through Craigslist. We list. are working through <laughs> <Craigslist>. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, no, welcome back to Exceptional Thieves. Yes. It's a podcast where Isaac and I review and rewrite movies. I'm Sam. And I am Isaac. And we are currently, due to there being no new movies out and we wanted to do something very silly and pointless, um, <laughs> we've decided to watch every movie Daniel Craig has ever been in. And um, talk about them. And talk about them. And... So far, I, I think it's going quite well. It's going great. It's going really great. <laughs> I've had, to, I've enjoyed telling people about this project. <laughs> <laughs> then they always go, "Oh wow, you're a really big Daniel Craig fan." No, no not really. Not really. <laughs> like he's like I like Possibly him less now. But this, this is like, 
I feel like I'm going through like a government re-education program or something. Like they, they're trying to make you love something. It's like, how could you make someone be obsessed with Daniel Craig, who was frankly like not that? I've never. I realize I've never actually been like that much of a fan of like an actor or like a famous person. You know how some people... I can't think of someone who I've just, like, followed their work religiously. Well, you know, there's people out there who run, you know, fan sites and mm-hmm. get autographs and have... I mean, it's, I guess it's more of like a teenage thing. But when I was a teenager, you know how teenagers get really into I don't really think it's just stuff? a teenage thing. I think there are a lot of adults out there who yeah. have their niche and follow it. Yeah, yeah. but I, Like a car club, but for one particular actor or actress. Yeah, I feel like as an adult, you get you can get like that about an interest, you know, like I'm really into... Rock climbing. Yeah. Tra- Cars. Model trains. Model trains are so cool. Ships in boats. No, ships in bottles. <laughs> ships in boats. Ships in <laughs> What's your thing? What I do is I take a boat, and then <laughs> I, I take a smaller a ship, ship, and I put that ship in inside. the boat. It's called Russian boating. Um, they don't float very well. International Space Station in a boat. No. Oh, in a bottle. In a bottle. ISS in a, boat. in a bottle would be kind of cool. ISS in a boat, <laughs> in a bottle. You can't even see the ISS. Only you, but know, you it's, know it's there. Only you know it's in <laughs> There's there. There's one window open and you can just see. If you, if you, get, if you look through one of the portholes on the Titanic, you can see part of the ISS. You can see part of the ISS. And in the back behind the ISS, there's George Clooney and Sandra Bullock. Floating. Floating. Together. Looking wide. No, it's an invisible George Clooney and just a Sandra Bullock. But she's talking to him like yeah, he's yeah. there. <laughs> Sandra Spoilers. Bullock clearly in conversation with <laughs> nothing. Someone. Yeah. And she makes her way to her. And it's like a where's Wally, but instead of Wally, it's find where someone thinks George Clooney is. <laughs> now that's an I interest. I would read that book. Book? Where's Wally? But instead of it being where's Wally. But it's not a book. It's a, a three-dimensional of, experience. Can it be a book of pictures? Just random photographs of the world, and somewhere in each picture is somebody who thinks they've seen George Clooney. <laughs> and you just have to read the expressions. It's a much more subtle, much more subtle game. You're not just looking at a person. You've got to try and feel what people are feeling. No, see, I don't want it to be a book. I want it to be like dioramas. I've been making build, a lot of dioramas lately. Well, yeah. Yeah. Build like three dimen- like build King's Landing. But somewhere in there is the ISS. Is someone who thinks they're talking to <laughs> George, George Clooney. <laughs> Dressed as Batman. They've seen Batman's nipples and are slightly unnerved yeah. by it. So there's other people who might think they're talking to George Clooney in Ocean's Eleven. That's not who you're looking for. No, I want Batman George Clooney with bat nipples. Blooney. Mm-hmm. No, that doesn't work. Well, it does. But it's just the first letter of Batman. <laughs> but even as a teenager... Where I feel like it's more common to get obsessed with individuals, and I'm, in a way, teenage is, girls. Yep. I never had anything that you were like obsessed that. with. I never had a, a person that I was really obsessed with, like my sister did, and so I. We're going to talk about that. Well, I got very will familiar. Anna, will Anna be happy. Well, with it actually, it, it relates to today's movie, which is Elizabeth, <laughs> um, because. She would get really into particular actors, and because I was... It wasn't Jeffrey Rush, was it? No. Thank God. No, imagine that. Could you imagine your sister... Like, I love Jeffrey Rush. He's, like, a really good actor. National treasure. But... Wears a scarf better than any of us. I don't see a teenage person getting obsessed with Jeffrey Rush. (laughs) Richard Attenborough, on the other hand. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) 
the big picture of Jeffrey Rush on your locker <laughs> on the inside. Like being all weird Signed, and shine. with love, Jeff. Yeah. The Rush, as he calls himself. <laughs> G-Rush. Um, no, because she would get really into certain actors and because that we're six years different, I was much younger, so I had much less power in the household. So you have, you're just sort of exposed to whatever's on. Yep. You know? So through that, I became very familiar with the filmographies of Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> like we had every Leonardo DiCaprio movie and every movie with Joseph Fiennes in it. Okay. That's a that's a weird filmography for One Joseph of, Fiennes because he plays a lot of strange characters. Um, yeah, well, he doesn't play a lot of characters. Well, no. Does he? he doesn't play as, I mean, we'll get to it. <laughs> but, but no, so this is kind of... I'm trying to sort of reverse engineer how would I act if I were obsessed with Daniel Craig? Yep. Um, and how have you been doing that? It's, in, in, it's, how has it affected I've been spending more time life? on it than I want. <laughs> I've spent a lot of money on this project now. I've bought a lot of DVDs. Yeah. Um, all my biographies arrived. <gasps> What's it? It's called Daniel Craig, the biography of Britain's best actor. Whoa. Bold title. Sarah Marshall. By Sarah Marshall. Uh, I'm only a few chapters in. I like that you're reading it. It's quite long. Like, it's longer than I, when I, it's longer than I kind of wished it was. Um, And it it was published in 2007. There's a lot more. He was already Britain's best actor by 2007. By the time we'd done, I guess, two Bond movies, they're like, yep, he's the one. Not even. He's the one. Yeah, I mean. I I don't think. I mean, I'm torn here between, you know. Editorial honesty and trying to make sure we get Daniel on the pod because I don't want to offend him by saying you're probably not Britain's like best actor, but who is? I don't even know who is, but I mean, maybe he is. I don't think he is. Let's say he is. I would like him to be Britain's best actor. Well, then let's just live with let's live in that truth. Let's okay. just decide. He's welcome Britain's back to, best well, actor. Welcome back to Craigslist, the podcast about Britain's best actor, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel Craig. Craig. Um, He's the best actor we've ever done a filmography podcast about. That much is true. Very much so. And the book is all right. It's a bit of a tough read. Um, is it written well? Look, I'm no literary critic. All I'll say is the author um, is a journalist who... Like reading their bio has lots of like celebrity and entertainment magazine credits, I guess you could call them. And so, as in, in like writing articles for them. Yeah, and so if you if you bought like <laughs> one of them is called CD UK, I guess about C like music. CDs yeah. in the UK. So go, so going back a little bit there, but I'm, I'm if you <laughs> bought one of those like celebrity magazines. And they, it's an article about a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Sarah Marshall has done that research for. Me. It's it's that, but it's two hundred and fifty pages long. <laughs> so there's lot there's lots of quotes in here that I don't think he said. <laughs> Just they don't sound like they don't. Could you, could you read one? Um, I see what I want because they don't really sound like how anyone talks, let alone Daniel Craig. But Daniel Craig doesn't talk just like everyone. That's true. That's true. Yeah, there's. There's some weird, but it is. I am getting some interesting tidbits about his movies. Well, that's good. Um, like, apparently, he he re- he didn't like the power of one. What? Um, the process or the film? Uh, the film. Uh, I mean, 
Quote, suddenly I was on shooting Zimbabwe on a huge sets. It didn't work out in the sense of propelling me forward, thankfully, because it wasn't the right time or place. Besides, it was a piece of shit and I'm glad. If it had worked, I'd still be playing policeman beating people up. Harsh. That is a little harsh. That's yeah. the... By the way, everyone knows about the power of one. Everyone? And everyone loves it, yeah. Really? Multiple, like, more friends I keep mentioning it to. It's, oh, yeah, The Power of One. Based As on in the book, book or the no, movie? the movie. They've seen the movie. Yep, a friend of mine likes to play the clip where he's conducting the prison choir whenever they're feeling down. To cheer kind themselves of adorable, up. even though in the like, background of that scene, yeah. a man is getting beaten to death. Yeah, you know what I do when, I'm tr- when I need to cheer myself up? I watch Morgan Freeman being beaten to death in prison. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You have some strange friends. I like that there's a picture section in the middle of this biography. Yeah, yeah. And and the pictures, some of them are from later than when the book was published. So it's been updated. Um, <laughs> uh, so he had a uh, daughter quite early on and says, um, initially he found it tough to adapt to fatherhood. I'm a bad dad, he once joked. Like there's no... There's no like citation for anything. So they're just like he taking just once joke. They must just have a huge amount of interviews father. and stuff with him. Uh, but over time, he came to cherish the role. My daughter is brilliant. He was to once exclaim. <laughs> and being a father was great, but I won't talk about it. Um, I'll talk about my work because that's part of what I do. But if you want to talk about myself, my personal life, forget it. It's nobody's fucking business! Exclamation mark. Uh, but now he describes the whole experience as the most wonderful thing that'll ever happen to you. It's a constant struggle, but very rewarding. When it happens, it's like, oh my fucking God. But you just have to enjoy it. So, like, it, it, it does sound like a person would say that, but not mm. to another person. I don't... I, it, yeah. It's I can't like imagine Daniel Craig saying You it. wouldn't go to your friend who's ha- had a child All and I say- be like, hmm. could you give me some advice? Because I'm about to have a child. And he wouldn't say... It's the most, yeah, it's the most wonderful thing. When it happens, it's like, <laughs> oh my fucking god! But then it's like, you know, like whatever. But then it's like, it's but then like, it's like, okay, oh, okay. Like, like sure, I guess, like I'm, I guess I'm like a like dad now. Fine, uh, but uh, I mean, you know, I mean, we talk about my work. But if you want to ask about personal life, it's not your fucking business, all right? So back off. Uh, yeah. So I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm enjoying glad it. To hear that you're enjoying it. Now, this does link to. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the film. I have, but it, oh, sorry. Mm. In the first few chapters of the film of the of the book, yeah. is there any notes to our obsession? Obsession. Oh yeah, is there? Is there? Oh yeah. Okay. So so Daniel Craig hated his first film. He didn't like the power of one. Um, but what about his second film? Oh uh, no, it's just th- well. Well, did we? S- you're did- you're opening up a can of worms here by saying the n- the number of the movie, which I'm going to have to talk about in a minute. But yeah, on the set of obsession, because the obsession is, um, hey German, what is it? 1997 German movie, um, where there are many notations in this book right now. It. So yeah, so so it's like a foreign art house movie. So a bit of a bit of a risk for him, uh, <laughs> and it's about sort of like a love triangle mm-hmm. and. The woman in the love triangle is a woman whose name I'm going to struggle with, Heike McCatch. Oh, yeah. Who is the woman who we all have hated our whole lives because she destroys the marriage between Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. 
in Whoa, Love Actually. Oh, really? Yeah, that's her. Oh, she's in other films? And Daniel Craig and her obviously met on the set of this movie and then were together for like seven years. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't say anything of what he actually thinks about the movie. But Just a tidbit that he um, had a nice relationship with. He had a nice with relationship the lady. with Heike. And update... A found obsession. Oh, what? Just been checking eBay frequently, and suddenly, in Canada, DVD popped up. <laughs> Quite expensive, don't want to get into it. But I've ordered Obsession. <sighs> now, this might feel like a moment of wonderful clarity, that now we can say we have the complete Daniel Craig filmography. However... <laughs> Because I've been spending too much mental energy on this, yeah, um, I've been ha- I've had a bit of a methodological crisis about the whole thing, which I need to discuss with you. Because <laughs> what? A- and I know what you I, I know what you're going to say. Really, what about his TV films? I have a feeling that the film we watched last time feels enough like a TV film. Love and Rage. Love and Rage. But it's not. It was released theatrically. Because if we want, we could say we're just going to do Daniel Craig's theatrically released films just to give ourselves a how, hope. How much content is added if we go down the well, road of TV films? His, so there are uh, at nine. There's uh, nine of them. Uh-huh. Um, and you could say, well, whatever the TV films. Who, who cares? But they do, when you put them into the filmography, they are sort of an... They There's fill, that they fill gap in some between, gaps. yeah. They're an important part of his body of work. And, his development. Yeah. And I've been able to find a lot of the DVDs for them on eBay. Um, I mean, what's annoying me, though, is how do we do it? Do we do them in sequence? Because we've already missed one. Because 1993, he was in Sharp's Eagle, which is one of those sharp... There was like a series of sharp movies mm. with Sean Bean. Oh! Where he's playing another uh, sort of horrible... Uh, Daniel Craig is playing another sort of horrible military officer. Coffee beats on people. Which is kind of his thing. Um, well. So I kind of want to see that. And... What if we do like specials every now and then and watch a couple of the TV movies and talk about them? Yeah. But then am I going to have to upload them out of sequence? So now when you scroll through our filmography podcast, you're not going to know where you are, mate. Well, currently you're not going to know where you are. And I'm, it really doesn't matter. It, but I've, I gotten, it do- I've gotten too into this. Part of it matters. I can't see it now. I'm too close. I want, I want it to matter, yeah. but I also don't think it does. Like, Well, none of this matters. <laughs> <laughs> like... We should just remain sensitive to that, that it doesn't matter at all. But, <laughs> you know Taylor? Lautner? No. Swift? Our friend Taylor. <laughs> yes. Um, he, <laughs> he really hates this. <laughs> this podcast particularly? Yeah. <laughs> Why? We talk about movies a lot. And I told him what we were doing and he just, he just doesn't get it at all. <laughs> And so I just keep talking. So Taylor's it. not going to be a guest on so, the podcast. Well, no, I don't want him to bring his negativity on. Well, here. what's his favorite Daniel Craig film? Well, he, yeah, he said. Because if it's something like 
cowboys and aliens, definitely bring him on. Well, first of all, he's obviously coming from the wrong place because he thought that Daniel Craig's only been in like three good films. Right, well, <laughs> bond, the- bond, and Bond. bond, bond, bond. <laughs> and three of the four Bonds. He discounts Quantum Solace. Yeah. He's just like goes for the others. Well, we all, we all kind of discount Quantum Solace. A little Solace. bit, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. but he's just like no. I just I don't think it has the legs. I don't think Daniel Craig has the legs to support a whole podcast. No, no that that's it. That's that's the <laughs> that's idea. The, what, what, sorry, Daniel, that is incorrect. Yeah, damn it. You no, definitely have you, legs. See, no, we've I, I seen really them. Think he does. Like, <laughs> we've seen your legs <laughs> numerous dude, times. We've seen your very clearly non prosthetic, or if they are, very well done legs. <laughs> but no, so. <laughs> Whenever I kill Dr. Taylor about this, he's just he's just like, oh, what are you doing? Don't do it. Do someone else. I'm like, no. So then I'm like, what about the TV movies, Taylor? What about the TV movies? He's like, I think you're doing enough. <laughs> um, well, let's put it to the audience. Yeah. Let's have an audience vote. Yes. I'll Christine, do- can you decide whether you would like yes. us to do... The TV movies as well? It's a binary vote. <laughs> yes, no. Um, so that and that introduced, that introduced a whole new level of having to research to find, because they're all like BBC movies. Oh, um, they'd, and, they'd all be the exact same thing. Yeah. And they'd all feel the same. The same music would oh, just suddenly be in them. I don't know. They, they, they look... Great. Some of them are pretty interesting. And one of them is called Sword of Honor, based on a trilogy of novels by Evelyn Waugh, one of my favorite novelists. Ooh. So I'm actually really keen to watch that one, um, like quite genuinely. But then, we can, you know, we can just do one TV movie and not the others. We'll just put them all on Patreon. That's what we'll do. That'll be the... That'll be a reason to do them. There's a carrot. <laughs> there's a carrot for people to find Ooh. the Patreon and get involved That's there. what they want. That's what the people want. Daniel? Um... Do you want us to do the um, TV movies? Yeah, maybe. Like that would be that would be decisive. I've, I've, I'm assuming he's listening. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, he would be. My other issues have been Daniel's mum, and I don't know how much of this we should be talking about off mic. <laughs> I don't know. How <laughs> I'm enjoying this, this conversation as it goes. Um, and there's but and there are a couple of mysteries Ooh. in this filmography. Still, we thought Obsession was going to be the mystery. We've got it. The Daniel Craig biography has a filmography at the back of it which listed a couple of things that i didn't find anywhere else and it lists in his filmography a 2009 adaptation of i lucifer which he was apparently in with ewan mcgregor but it must have just halted production. I don't think it was ever actually released. I can find some old news stories about it, about how Daniel Craig has shaved his head after doing the latest Bond movie for his new upcoming feature where he plays the devil. Did and the then, film get its name changed? Uh, no, there's nothing else around that time it could be. What about on Ewan McGregor's pages? I had a look. There's nothing there. Oh, but so love what to happened see them with together. I, Lucifer? Yeah, it sounds fun. So... If anyone has any information about what happened on the production of that movie, I'm sure someone does. Um, please let us know. And, about, and I also found out about a little short film that is in on YouTube called Occasional, Comma, Strong, which is not a good title. But I mean, it's a it's a sometimes Weak. It's, it's an always weak title. <laughs> Burn notice that little short. Okay, we should we should probably get into it. <laughs> we should so, probably talk about a film. Maybe. 
so yeah, so that's just the process going on behind the scenes, everybody. We'll make a decision about the TV movies, but the movie we've watched this week... Oh, and also, I've, from when I've released that first episode, it's going to be six months between then and the release of No Time to Die. Assuming the apocalypse ends. Assuming it does come out and the apocalypse is over, which I think it will be, at least here in Australia. Yeah. We'll get it. But whether it gets released. They're already opening some cinemas in like Georgia or whatever. I'm not saying they should. I'm just saying it's happening. I want the cinemas to open, but I want it to be safe. I really feel it. I really miss going to I'm starting to really feel it. Like this week, I just, I want to, yeah, get some popcorn, get in there, be annoyed by people talking, (laughs) you know. I really miss paying $12 for a cup of soft drink and some old food that is mostly air and salt. I mean, you can get a hot dog at the movies. We're getting sidetracked again. We should probably talk about the film. Okay, all right. This was just everything. Okay. Anything else I had? Um, No. (laughs) What have we watched this week? We watched Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Part one. Daniel Craig's... Fifth. Fifth theatrically released film. film. <laughs> oh, by the way, if we watch the TV movies, we get to watch something called Genghis Cone, which is is it a is it a like a like a marijuana themed movie about the no? It's Cone. It's Cone, as in the Jewish name, where oh. a SS officer during the war is haunted by a Jewish ghost from a concentration camp, and this is a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> With entirely English actors. <laughs> and Daniel Craig is in it. You'll never guess as a Nazi again. Oh, what are the chances? You know, that's in the book, how he was annoyed in school plays and in the, the <laughs> National Youth Theatre, how he just kept getting cast as villains and Nazis. <laughs> but see, some of the best actors are villains all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things I'm really interested in. with it. And this film relates is a sort of a step in that pathway of his journey from someone who's playing so many villains and so many dark characters into a sort of leading man hero. Yeah, how, like, how you go on that journey. Yeah, and it's, I think, and how the world had to change to be ready for it, you know? Like yep. we, Daniel Craig was out there Craigan this whole time, working on his Craigslist. And we were getting movies like Bad Boys. Well, we yeah, well, we, having, we were having Brosnan Bond and then we were having Bad Boys. We weren't ready for his Bond yet. And then somehow... By the mid two thousands, I guess we all became more post nine eleven, post Iraq War. We wanted gritty people, realism in our bond. We wanted we were a bit more gritty. We were a little bit more jaded, and mm-hmm. we were more willing to accept a version of Bond as a more sort of morally compromised um, character, less fanciful. Yeah, or yeah. more like an an anti hero. So something changed. For us to be ready to, to receive. Get a, to get a slightly villainous bond. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's how you beat the villain. You, you get, get inside you get their that head. that tinge of villainy. Yeah. villainy. yeah. Get that toe in that villainy water. Yeah. You're like, I'm not going to, mm. you're not, you see the villain, you're like, I'm not going to do it, but I get it. I can understand where you're coming from, Javier Bardem. And in Elizabeth, he plays another villain. What are the chances? So Elizabeth, 1998 movie about, you never guess, Queen Elizabeth. The first one, not this one. Yeah. Um, Some may say, no, they wouldn't say that. Which is the best one? 
Well, they did call her reign the Golden Age, according to Wikipedia. Yeah. And the, and in- the sequel? Yeah. And history. Yes. Like, like Wikipedia didn't it's actually, that. actually what they did call it. <laughs> Maybe um, because of her hair. I don't know. History will decide. History has decided. This, sec- well, th- this second one definitely has better handbags. Better hats. Better hats. I think better pantsuits. Better... She doesn't wear a pantsuit. I mean, she got... That's Hillary Clinton you're thinking of. She looks real good. She dresses nice. I think... I like the Queen. Mm-hmm. I respect the Queen. I like the Queen as well. I, I think mean, she's cool. She does represent a very morally compromised institution, but Very she outdated seemed, institution. But she seems nice. She does. She's like, yeah... You know, I mean, you I know, get you get back, have a beer with her. You watch The Crown, I get it. You're <laughs> in a tough spot. Yeah. I, th- I think the parallels, but there's interesting <laughs> parallels between this and something like The Crown, because there is. But I think, I think our, our, well, the people who are alive now would relate a lot easier to something like The Crown because it's closer to now in setting. Well, I think the question of how well people can relate to the characters in this, that's kind of its whole point. Because I think this is a film which I don't I don't know how many I, I, don't, I don't I don't I don't know enough to know where this fits in any kind of trajectory in terms of what I don't know films were doing, but this is a uh attempt to sort of humanize a historical figure, take an icon and show their sort of human side and kind of try to show make people in the past more relatable not do it like shakespeare or something but show that people in the past are were the same as were us people and we can and we can connect with them which i think is um something that has now transitioned more to prestige television yeah so i think what and i, but I think what this film is trying to do is the same thing trying to do what the crown can do more easily by being so much more recent but i guess and it's it's that it was around that same time where is it well the exact same time where you had uh things like love um love actually um shakespearean love coming out interestingly starring josephine joseph Fiennes. Where do, uh, Fiennes. Where, and i feel like that movie and this movie it's like the past but what if it's sexy it's like, can we make a historical drama movie but get teenagers to go to it? Because we kind of hint there's going to be some fucking. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I, I can't see things. I can't figure out a way to, like, critique the way this film is made. Because well, that's going to be a real problem for the whole premise of what we're doing. Yeah, but... <laughs> Because it's a it's a it's a, it's specifically a period film. Yeah. Whereas Love and Rage was supposed to be a period film. Well, it, it was a period film. Mm, it was also just shit. It was a it was a heartfelt period drama about something that it's his sh- second best film to date. <laughs> it is not. We were waiting to see Obsession. It is worst film to date. <laughs> but yeah, I had fun. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen this in a very long time. No, I don't. I don't know if I'd ever seen ever if I'd ever seen the whole thing. But I haven't seen the Golden Age. I watched it the other night after watching oh, okay. this, and uh, it's nowhere near as good. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, it's just kind of. I mean, you get enough story out of this, and no DC in the Golden Age. No spoilers. Yeah, don't watch it if you don't. Yeah. If you want to see Daniel Craig, spoilers for Elizabeth and history. <laughs> I guess. Um, 
but yeah, there's there's good elements in this in the in the second one. Um, you got Clive Owen as Walter Riley coming in, bringing tobacco and, and chips, chips and fags, as they say. That's <laughs> that's English for cigarettes. Everyone, calm down. Um, um, but yeah, it's just kind of unfocused. I think this. What's amazing with this movie is how I enjoy it. It's, it's editing and it's pacing and it's structure. It is very, it, it does feel very quick and tells a lot of story in the two with, hours that it takes. Yeah, without feeling rushed. Um, But I, I, I enjoy that it doesn't tell her entire life story. It just tells like this yeah. period of time from being imprisoned by her sister mm. to ascending to be like the queen she becomes and like deciding yep this is who i'm gonna be which is my preferred way to do this kind of thing yeah definitely don't tell like a whole life story don't tell like a life story fight like half hour of a child and then like an hour of a teenager and then an hour of him saving africa yeah yeah nice bringing it back thanks the only the only (laughs) version of that that i've kind of liked that i can remember recently was um braveheart wasn't very funny. Rocket Man. Rocket Rocket Man. Where they but where it's high where it's adapted into a, like in a musical yeah. that works But a also lot that's not even his entire life because he's still alive. So yeah. that's a period yeah. of his life. But it still did childhood, it still, adolescence, it did, yeah. young adulthood. And as a musical you can kind of roll that a little bit more. When a great film though, great film. When it's trying to, when a movie's trying to be sort of a drama, I guess. That yeah. it, I don't like where now the story's spread out over twenty years. I can't feel twenty years worth. You, of you get stuff. you get more involved in a person's life if you mm. know a specific time in that yeah. person's. life. In a way, that's kind of how the power of one is uh, worked better than many. I think because it was so episodic. So what, you got very involved in each chapter. Mm. So what happened when he was a teenager was kind of an enclosed, tight story, and then yeah. you carried that forward with him into the next story. Yes, but you. What the climax but wasn't the, about. The what climax was more about ago. what happened as a child, not as a teenager. Like, like to the, a, to the, a degree, but mm. in a way, it's kind of like it's a coincidence that Daniel Craig is the same person. Daniel yeah. Craig could have just been an evil a random Nazi. So Nazi. Yeah. I mean, officer. we're back on how much we love the Power of One, Isaac, because <laughs> it's the best film he's done try to and date. Focus on, try and focus on what we're doing. The best um, film he's done to date. A little. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We're not debating that. <laughs> We're um, continuing. Elizabeth. All right. Do you want written, to go with the story? Or do you want to yeah, talk about the Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have the whole story written out like I did the other, the other time. Okay. We just sort of... We just riff that we'll just, out. We'll just, we'll just riff, riff through it. Y'all, y'all should Hurst. know it. It's history. Did you ever watch The Tudors? No. Do you know of it? Yes. That's a, I like me some Jonathan Rhys Myers. Yeah. What happened to him? He was in August Rush. And, and then... Nothing. Some like low-key alcohol. And then the Tudors. And then he just <laughs> needs to get it together again. Come on, Jonathan. Just be Irish and sing, man. You're good. Sing? Yeah. He sings in August Rush. He's okay. pretty good at it. Sure. I feel like he's someone who's going to he's gonna struggle to find his next phase. Until he becomes the Joker at one stage in like 20 years. <laughs> well, he's, like, he's, too, he's too handsome. You know, he is a very and handsome. And that man. kind of too handsome works in your Bender like Beckham phase, and then it was. Oh, he f- totally was in Bender like Beckham. Yeah, Jeez. yeah. And then it's and then that was fun in the Tudors where he's playing a, a 
uh, again, a historical icon who we're used to seeing as a big, fat, old guy. Yeah. Um, so now that he's someone who looks so young, that was kind of electrifying about that role on that show. But now he's a little bit older. It's like, how do, what does he, what is his groove now? Most of this podcast is me talking about actors needing to find their groove. <laughs> um, Except Daniel Craig. We know he's found his groove. I loved the Tudors, and it's really interesting watching this. No, and you can see a lot of the same principles and elements being carried over into that. And one of my main thoughts, which I, I kind of mentioned before watching this movie, is I feel like you see a lot of the... Um, what's the word? The the DNA of prestige TV is sort of starting to come together in this to kind of a movie. Because if this 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 idea now, especially with something like this cast or this crew come together, they'd be like, this is like a three season TV show. Yeah, you don't you, you wouldn't see a film like this made unless it was like by Netflix for Netflix. Yeah. But I think if it came out as a movie now, people wouldn't be as into it. Mm. They'd be no, we're used to I want like to see a season big, of this at least. Yeah, like the big culture, the sort of the touch point for it would be maybe something like The Crown, but really for this, something more like Game of Thrones mm. and the early seasons where you're just watching political um, machinations and plots Drama. unfolding slowly and it's a big chess game. Because so much of this is a chess game, but with... With really a season, strong... you'd have more more time there to develop the actual intensities of everybody and DC might get more screen time. Yeah, yeah, which... Which we'll, we'll would benefit us. Because, yeah. Because th- th- this is a really interesting chess game with really powerful relationships sewn through it mm. in a really interesting sort of political context. And in a way, it's kind of refre- its brevity was kind of refreshing because you're so used to seeing this as I could see where it would get slowed down into a TV show. And you go, <laughs> oh, no, that would be a whole episode and we'd go down this sort yeah. of garden path and it would be engaging and we're really used to doing things that way and I love it. But you kind of remember, oh, yeah, we used to just do this. You used to see, well, and this no. was okay. Yeah, because there's no way you're getting Kate Blanchett or Jeffrey Rush on TV, bro. <laughs> Imagine if they theatrically released a season of something. Like for each like each <laughs> month of a year, you get an episode at the movies. And it's an hour and a half long, Game of Thrones style. I would love that. I would watch the hell out of that. I would go every month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd see each episode a couple of times. Yeah. What's the show? <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> I'm just signed on. I'm Whatever just signed it on is. to the distribution structure. Down. Never mind the content itself. <laughs> um, and then directed by Shikhar Kapoor, who I'm not particularly familiar with. Uh, but does, did direct, direct the sequel. He did direct the sequel. Directs a lot of Bollywood movies. Cool. And not uh, cool. that many. I um, uh, did the, the Four Feathers, which I keep meaning to rewatch. Oh, I don't know what that is. Oh, you don't? It's um, Heath Ledger. I like me some Heath Ledger. And it's the British Empire. I miss him sometimes. Um, I think that they're going to some kind of war in Africa when they're sort of expanding the empire. And... He just decides he doesn't want to go. He's like, screw this. And him and his other buddies are all like in the military, like young guys. And um, I can't remember why. I think maybe he's in love with a girl or something. That's always the way, isn't it? Love. Causes everybody to stop doing the things that they don't want to do. Never let love get in the way of the boys. Um, So he decides he's not going to war. And when you do, and if you were considered a coward, you were given a white feather. 
And so his four mates all give him a white feather, and like, to hell with you, bro. And then for some reason, he then decides to go into the war zone, but like secretly and try and save his friends from something. It's a really good movie. Sounds it. Yeah. And it's got Chris Marshall from My Family and Love Actually, you know, with the teeth and the eyes and the hair, sort of like young Sideshow Bob, but if he was British. Yep. I do know really? who you're yeah, talking cool. about from He's that in description. In a dramatic role. And um, <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting this guy did that. Then he did Elizabeth the Golden Age. Then he did New York, I Love You. And then he did Passage, which, I mean, it's a, okay, don't even worry about it. Don't really and so it's just interesting because this is, you know, Oscar nominated. It is one. Oscar nominated. Not for, I don't think for Best Director, though, did it? No, but it was it, Best it was Picture. Best Picture, Best Actress, and it won Best Makeup. That's a. But there's only one scene of makeup in the film. But what a scene. I feel yep. like other people had makeup on. I mean, like, they're all wearing makeup for that's the whole the film. Great makeup. That's the sign of great makeup. I was like, you did, we didn't even see it. You know, it's like editing. Yep. So if you, you really deserve an Oscar if no one even knows you were there. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So just interesting group. And every actor ever is in it. A lot of actors are in it. So yeah. you've got Kate Blanchett, who's like 28, 29. This is one of her first big things, really. She's in a few It's got to be earlier than 28, 29. No. No? I checked. She is great. She yeah. is doing good. Yeah. And yeah. right now, she is doing good. Yeah. I think this was 20 odd years later. Oh, still. Still kicking balling. it. Um, Kate, Rush, if you're listening. Jeffrey, Kate, come on the pod. <laughs> Talk about Danny. You spend yeah. some time with him. Yeah. Kate's list. That's the one we can do after this. No. No. Okay. You know what I realized we could almost do <laughs> Rachel Wise's filmography. That Daniel would be kind of cool. Wife. That would be kind of cool. Get them both on. Ah. Oh, so together. Would, I would be. I would love a Rachel Wise. If I ever spoke to Andrew Craig, I'd be so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> like we've said a lot of things about said, you. I'd be really a lot of really, a lot of possibly hurtful things. All no, of them are true. No, but <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. No, Isaac. We haven't said anything hurtful. <laughs> like, I haven't cared about Daniel Craig throughout my life, but now I'm starting to. <laughs> now I'm starting to be like, oh, I wonder if I think he'd probably find us really annoying if he met Probably. Us. I don't think... He, I, like, I, I think wonder if he hates as, this. As often. I wonder if he hates <laughs> what we're doing. during our podcast about his films, all we do is talk about what he thinks of us. <laughs> What do you think? What do you think? Daniel, did you, you like think, Elizabeth? What do you think he's like? Do you think he's do you think he's nice? I think he's tall. Yeah. <laughs> Is he? I don't know. He doesn't look particularly tall. I bet he'd be way shorter than But know. I reckon he'd be probably shorter than both of us, but feel taller than both of us. Oh he's his, his Like I would look up to Daniel Craig. His spirit is tall. Even if I'm looking down at Daniel Craig. I'd be like, oof, that is a wow. big man. Yeah. <laughs> This doesn't even make physics sense. How am I looking up at you? Are you hovering? I'd, pr- I'd probably sit. I'd probably. I would like, be seated. I'd, I'd just, I would stand if he was going to sit, as you would yeah. the queen. Well, or, or just when he came in. Yeah, I'd, Mr. Craig. And then Mr. Daniels. We'd stand when he entered, and then as he came over and it became apparent we were a little bit taller than him, just take a knee. <laughs> just out of respect. Just like slightly lean on the table. <laughs> no, you just stand Hi. with your legs farther apart so your center is lower. <laughs> Just bend at the knees. <laughs> Just bend like you're sitting in an invisible chair. Leaning on a small post. Yeah. And he goes, what are you looking at? Oh, no, I I thought I was 
saw George Clooney, but I didn't. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Mr. Daniel, sir. Mr. Craig. Sir Craig. Sir Lord. To be Sir Lord Craig. I think we've called him Sir Lord. Um, oh, we need a name for fans of Daniel Craig. Oh. Craigheads, Danimals. Dannys. That's... <laughs> yeah, let's call them the Daniel Craigs. <laughs> Fuck's sake, Isaac. Put a bit of effort in. <laughs> and yeah, everyone's in this. Kate Blanchard, Jeffrey Rush, Doctor Who, Christopher Eccleston. I say Doctor Who. Actually, I feel like he's more... You know, everybody knows him as as a Doctor Who. 28 Days Later. Oh, definitely 28 Days Later. Um, The Second Coming, Russell T. Davies, before he got really into... I like me some Christopher Eccleston, though. Yeah, I love him. Mm. I watch him in anything. He's in G.I. Oh, um, The Leftovers. He's in The Leftovers with... Incidentally, Jonathan Rhys-Myers. No. No. No, I thought there was a connection there, but there's not. Damn. and obviously Joseph Joseph Fiennes, another person's career who I don't understand. I love Shakespeare in Love. Can I just say just quietly? It's a fun film. And I've loved it from when I was like a teenager and, and didn't understand Shakespeare. Well no, I did. I was doing Shakespeare plays and that. You're such a nerd. Yeah, I was. I was a big Not was, Sam. kid. You're a nerd. Well, n- now my being a nerd is just confined to Daniel Craig trivia. <laughs> Um, and I loved him in that. So, and, and you know how again? I feel like when you're much younger, you just see some films, and you're like, "Okay, that's what films are." And so, in my head, like one of the people who's in films is Joseph Fiennes. There's not that many. There's about fifteen people who are in films, <laughs> and one of them is Joseph Fiennes. And then as life went on, I was like, "What happened to Joseph Fiennes? What's he doing now?" Handmaid's Tale, I guess. Is that it? Pretty much. And he's good in it. He's been good in everything. But for some reason, I think he might have intentionally like taken a lot of time out. He's been doing some stage stuff. But I don't know, just not picking the right stuff. He might be someone else who struggled to find a groove. He's someone else who's kind of too handsome. He is quite handsome. You know. He is Voldemort's brother, correct? No, that's um, Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, but. That's his brother. They're actually brothers, though. Oh, yeah, the actors are... Yes, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, he is Voldemort's brother. Yeah. Yeah, he is more classically handsome, I think, than Ralph. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, he's, he is 90s handsome. Mm. You know? He could have been that dude who helps the chick get hot and then ends up falling in love with her in the high school movies. Yeah, absolutely. See, Leonardo DiCaprio was 90s handsome, but then he aged into his blood diamond phase and he was able to do different roles. So, mm. like, Maybe Fines, Reese Myers, they haven't aged into a different thing, so they haven't been able to. And now in Hand- Handmaid's Tale, like he looks pretty much exactly the same. He does. He just has facial hair. But he's a and he's a, and he's very good at that sort of sort of brooding, intense, very creepy character. Like it's good for sort of going against type. But I don't know. I don't know why more stuff didn't happen. Maybe he's the next Bond. Maybe he's not. Maybe not. Mm. Next Bond. Just throwing it out there. Timothy Chalamet. George Mackay. I'd be down for that. Yeah? 
I'd be definitely almost down for that. right. I feel like it's like he looks a little bit too worried in his face to be Bond. Like he looks too he'd, like he'd be scared. Like he'd yeah. be at the poker table, but he'd look afraid of everybody else. <laughs> yeah, like his his eyes are too big, and, <laughs> and that was perfect for 1917 <laughs> so, when you should be you worried, were terrified. Yeah, <laughs> he's very worried the oh, whole time. He's such a good actor. Yeah, but I, but he's not Britain's best actor. He's not. He's not Britain's best actor. No. That is Daniel Craig. Yeah, that much has been known since at least 2007. <laughs> but I feel like. Someone, someone like George Mackay, young, small, sort of sinewy, Robert Pattinson. For fuck's sake, will you stop? <laughs> I'm excited for Batman. I'm excited for Batman, but the problem with Richard Attenborough is he. <laughs> <laughs> what a segue! Because again. <laughs> As a child, he's one of the people that are in films. Oh, he's definitely in films. He's um, in two of the films. But because, in my mind, he's just Mr. Jurassic Park, he's yes. <laughs> he just is very, very modern in my mind. So yeah. every scene in this, all he looks like to me it's is John Hammond. Mr. Jurassic Park in a Halloween costume. <laughs> because he's got the exact same facial hair and voice and mannerisms totally and everything. His hair, his hair is a little longer. But he, he never says spared no expense. And I wanted that to be a catchphrase that just becomes his <laughs> life that he throws into every film. We spared no expense, Your Majesty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been so easy to do in this. Exactly. They they would spare no expense all the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, it's insane. Kathy Burke, again, I don't know why she doesn't do more, hasn't done more of this kind of stuff. She's more known for like, gimme, 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 and sort of like, there were like a lot of people British, in the film that you don't that you British still see now stuff, yeah. Like, but I feel, but I feel like Kathy Burke should have, should have been doing these kinds of, you know, the role. And may I don't know, is there more of them now? But roles in Hollywood that aren't for your, you know, I mean, now she's played by what same character played by Margot Robbie in the American Scots? No, yes. Mary Queen of yes. Is that Queen of Scots? I get confused. No. There's so many Marys. It's not Queen of Scots. Queen of Scots comes after Elizabeth. Okay. Well, it's a Mary. That's all you know what I'm yes. saying. Um, and she and, she has a bit of a cry. Uh, yeah, Kathy Burke is bloody brilliant. Vincent Cassell, obviously. Uh, but then everyone. Kelly MacDonald from that one where... Bill Nye is at the UN and is sad. Ah. Um, oh, yeah? No. If anyone gets that, I'd be really happy. <laughs> um, and Emily Mortimer, who I know See, mostly as the chick with hollow bones from 30 Rock. She's great. Emily yeah. Mortimer is in a few things. Mm. A lot of TV stuff. Yeah. But she does a lot of stuff and she's great. And I didn't know she was in this in the 90s. Like, doing, doing actual stuff. Everyone's in this. Not everyone. The return of John Gielgud oh, to Daniel Craig's God. filmography. <laughs> Even though they don't have scenes together in The Power of One, it's the second movie they're both in. These are the kind of fun facts we're going to be learning. Did you spot Alfie Allen? In this movie? Yep. No. Did you spot Lily Allen? No. <laughs> Their mum is one of the producers. Oh, that's so cool. And so when Daniel, you know, when Daniel Craig is found like behind the bookcase by Jeffrey Ross. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he bends down and talks to that boy. He's like, what have you seen, Bob? And he looks at the bookcase. That is Reek. 
That's cool. And I think Lily Allen is one of the ladies in waiting. And I was able, I think I spotted her in like the last shot where she walks through as, as the, new the queen, queen and there's Lily Allen. I'm pretty sure I could see Lily Allen. Cool. Uh, so yeah, so literally everyone is, is in, in this. this film. Yeah. If you're British or not British, you're in this film. Well, I think all those people were British. Jeffrey Rush is not British. No, he's from Toowoomba. Mm. That's weird, isn't it? It is. I don't Strange like to that. say. Hey, Jeff, if you're, if you're listening... I know, stop, you, I know you're from nearby. Stop being from Toowoomba. <laughs> Just come to Brizzy, man. Like, I don't like that he's from Toowoomba. I don't like that Margot Robbie is from Dolby. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been to Dolby. And it's a lovely place Not to pass partic- through. Yes, a lovely place to stop and get a coffee and then, well, let's crack on. Um, <laughs> Imagine being from Cairns. Yeah. So, what happens in the film? So, Elizabeth yeah. begins the film... Living on her own as a Protestant, yeah, just somewhere in England, and her sister is yeah. queen, and so half sister. Yeah, her, her half sister because these are all the offspring of yep. of, of good old Henry's Henny. of John Rhys Meyer's various knives, <laughs> and they knives. <laughs> um, and then basically she gets sick and dies. Yeah, so she imprisons um, her sister for yeah. some reason. Apparently she was in jail for years. Yeah. That's one of the things they... And then they Mary gets sick for a, a baby tumour and dies. Yeah, but before that, what's actually going on is Liz like is off the in the opening countryside. opening scene, actually. Back, back to the opening. What Open opening your film, scene? burn a few people. Yeah. That's brutal. a bit intense. Yeah, and people are trying to help them by putting more wood on. So yeah. they'll just burn Like mercy, them. like that's... Sort of, like, oh, yeah. and like, I... I enjoy historical films who show that hundreds of people turned out to watch people die mm. all the time. Yeah. That shit is fucked up. And when and there's something about the fact that they, they got burned to death and nothing happened. Like no one rescued them, no one tried to rescue them. No mm-hmm. there wasn't like secretly a bomb in the fire or anything. It's like, no, we're just gonna watch these people burn to death. Yeah. Watch them get their hair cut. That comes in handy later. Yeah. They get their hair cut at the start of the film. Mm. There's two women and a man, both bald, mm. all attached to this pile. Which I guess is establishing. And they get burnt as because they are Protestants. Protestants. And it's sort of establish, I guess establishing this is what could happen to any of the people we care about in yeah. this movie. Even though I guess it doesn't. But Yes, it's it basically establishes that there is a war happening between yeah. the Catholics and the Protestants. And Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is hanging out in the countryside... Just sort of, just sort of doing do, it, doing that dance with Joseph Fiennes, where you sort of walk in a circle with your heads pressed against each other and giggle. <laughs> so th- this film does do one of those things I don't like, where it seems like there was a certain period in the past where what women would mainly do, like their pastime, was giggling, <laughs> running in circles, running in circles in fields and giggling, and giggle with their and, with their thirteen other women friends. Yeah, and no one's in flowy sort of yeah. plain clothes. <laughs> And then, like no one's saying anything that's funny. No, it's just hilarious to run and in circles. And they're not like looking at anything. <laughs> yeah. Is it that funny to run in circles? I can under- <laughs> look, it can be fun funny for a second. I mean, I haven't done it for a while. Who knows how it would hit me? But it goes on they are just laughing for so long. Yeah. It's just sort of this trope of well, we just need to fill we need to show that they're enjoying themselves. And I think that's something that would, might be done a little bit differently now. Where if you really wanted to make this relatable, like, well, well let's figure out. Well, I want to see the new. That these I, I didn't see Little fun. Women last year, and I figure as though 
how they make those girls have fun with each other. Like, as, it as wouldn't be sisters, it wouldn't be giggling. running in circles giggling. It would have been, like, doing actual sisterly things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone, should we run in a circle? Well, actually, this is why we should have the vote. Because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still need to see that. Yeah. Mm. But we haven't seen it, probably because of our insurmountable sexism. <laughs> sure. She dies, and then we're not going to go through the whole plot. No, we aren't. So she dies, and Mary and then, Mary and dies, and Elizabeth is technically made queen. Yeah, and Eccleston is well annoyed by that. Yes. Norfolk. He doesn't show it very much. I'm surprised, he's, yeah. He's annoyed. He he's like, he's there, he's just, okay, I've got my job to do, I don't like this bitch. Yeah. But I will do my job. Yeah, interesting that, yeah, that he sort of couldn't stop it. Um, yeah, it's interesting that no one really tried to kill her mm. while she was imprisoned. And not able to go anywhere? Yeah. Like, you're like, if you really don't want her to be your queen, secretly just kill her. Well, they Like, kept, it's not like someone's going to know. They keep talking about how she's definitely going to get killed. Yeah. Like, your life is in danger. And it's By only, whom? It's only a matter of time before she gets assassinated, but I don't, it's amazing that it never happened. I don't I, understand why people didn't just... How did anyone live? Like, how hard then? is it... To break into a castle, if you're one of the people who technically goes there every day and hate this person. Yeah. I, like, I mean, Jeffrey Rush goes and has one bowl of soup with that woman up in Scotland and she's done. Yep. She's done. <laughs> so, but he also, like, did it with her. You think so? Yeah. He, he, he deaths did it with her. You That's reckon? why she was naked when she was dead. He, like, gross. Had a good night. They had a good time. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, yep, got to do my job. <laughs> Pillow over the face. <laughs> I really liked his character. I like Jeffrey. I like Jeffrey Rush. I feel like a little bit, well, yeah, who doesn't? Yeah. National treasure. Um, I feel, I feel, you know, I feel if, if, if aliens land, send Jeffrey Rush. I feel a little that both Kate Blanchett, in this film, Kate Blanchett and Jeffrey Rush don't really have massive roles. As in There's like, a way in which that's true. I feel like... Like, yeah, the, fil- I, the film is technically about her and him, and, like, they're the lead, what, what I would call two of the leads of the film, mm. but there are other people who get tech, who get more screen time and do more stuff in the film. I think this is one of the ways in which it does... it, Even though it's really, obviously, very well made and was enjoyable to watch and is fine, like, I didn't really... I didn't feel experientially as I went through it that I was lacking anything. If I reflect on it, you don't feel overly connected with everybody. No, and the way Walsingham was 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 drawn is so interesting. He's the he's the kind of character who would be you know a fan favorite on the ten episode TV Definitely. show with all his they'd, scheming. They'd spend the first two episodes and, talking about him coming back from France. Mm, they'd be like, he's going to come back, yeah. and then he'd arrive, yeah. and he'd make his entrance. Mm. And they shouldn't have done that cut on, on the kid's throat because that looked really weird. He should have either just stabbed him in the back. Or pushed him out the window. I thought he was going to push him out the window. Yeah. I'm like, come over here and look at this. I'm like, oh, Jeffrey. Yeah. And the way the sort of story plays out is he is, his way of doing things is kind of presented as the right way. As yeah. in, you just need to assassinate to, people to make and it be kind of Machiavellian and just control situations through whatever means necessary. Mm-hmm. And she... I guess comes around to that view by the fact, executing everyone involved with the plot at the end of the movie. Yeah, but I, 
you didn't really see her decide that was the right way to do it. No. You know? Yes, like I think she, I think he sort of forces her hand to become that way because she didn't tell him to go and assassinate the the Scottish chick. Up in, didn't she? No. I'm pretty sure she said She says she didn't. Yeah, I think she I said go like there and negotiate terms. Oh. Well, That's what she says. The way she said it, I thought she was like, oh, what? I didn't order it. What do you mean? I didn't yeah. even know anything about it. But she, it. she didn't Little order old it. Me. I but I think, I think she's okay with it if it happened. No, she's like, no, no. he's made this decision this for me. This is to talk. I'm, yeah, he's my advisor. Yeah. I've taken that. Yeah. I feel, she kind of has multiple, because she's such a massive character, she kind of has multiple arcs within, within the, the movie. Film, yeah. And one of them is a transition from being... Well, we don't really know what she thought at the beginning, but she basically realizes that he's kind of her best advisor and she needs to do follow what his he advice. says, kick everybody else out. But you didn't really see her sort of decide to do that in a kind of a break. It needs to be kind of a she needs to kind of break bad at a certain point. There would I didn't find any like awesome emotional moments for her. Like she does very well, but I wanted like a, a scene of her just yelling at someone. Yeah, it, I didn't. She does that a bit in the sequel, which makes less sense because then she'd be more controlled by that point. Yeah, I feel more like she refined, must get a bit emotional at some point. But there wasn't like a scene where, like, if he came back after doing that and she didn't want him to do that, yell at him, yell at him for a while, and then like, I understand mm. what you did. Yeah, you did it for the good of the realm, and like, good of the realm, good of the realm. Yeah, I mean, she has that scene where yeah. she kicks um, Joseph out of the ball. Yeah, after like telling everybody that he's married. But she'd been banging him. Mm. I enjoy that th- that that the fact that she's doing it with a dude while she's not wed. Mm-hmm. She doesn't take that as a weakness at all. And like in a yeah. lot of films where that's that that that, that, that becomes someone's massive downfall, she's like, "Nah, mm. I'm the queen. Yeah, I do what I want. Yeah, yeah. I think what's interesting is that the plot, the them." The relationship between her and Joseph Fiennes, it would be very easy for this movie to make that the central focal point of the whole story. Yes. And there are times where you kind of feel held at arm's length from that whole thing. There is a a point where they are having a massive row, but you see it from like 100 meters away and they're up on that hill and they're just like silhouettes yelling at each other. And it's kind of weird in a way that we don't see that scene. Um, But I think... That, that lets the scope of the movie expand to all the other parts of her life as well that are happening at the same time and not it be and so not have this sort of massive character be defined by her boyfriend yes you know but then but then that's that's a trade-off and that's a trade-off you wouldn't have to make in a you know a hbo series but in this we're a little bit held back from each part of it but like her relationship with walsingham would be Really, really interesting. And you'd have Walsingham and Eccleston facing off more. You'd have them have their of, uh, war of words. Various little finger type of way. Mm. And um, so there's, in, in a way, it's sort of frustrating because you've got all these amazing actors assembled and it's obviously so well I One thing, um, so basically, first half of the film is her, ascension, basically, ascension to be a queen and like start ruling and she makes actual decisions about her country. So she sends um, an army off to war against yeah. French people, French forces in Scotland. Doesn't go well because they're all children. all dies because they're all very, very young. And yeah. she cries about it and has a little tantrum. Yeah. That that bit kind of started to feel a little bit rushed. 
it did feel a little bit rushed because I think they were just trying to get past this point to like to get to mm. more things that led towards her becoming who she's going to become. Yeah, and um, I, th- I think a challenge with this kind of movie as well is how do it, you pace it? Yeah, how do you pace it? But it, having war be in the story, but it's not a movie about war. I enjoy that. Yes, you just get to see the aftermath of the massive battle. And hundreds so they, of dead people. Kind of have that battle, but there's no other. There's no other real battles, but war sort of there in the background. Mm. But that's kind of a difficult thing to play. I like when that French Mary of Mary, whatever her name is. Yeah, the one that Jeff Mary Rush of France does in Mary, Mary of French. Mary of Mary of Franceland. Yeah. She gets the thing and she goes over to the child and she's meant to be like wiping his blood on the flag or whatever it is. Mm. But obviously they wanted to do multiple takes. So she's... She doesn't touch his face. She's not actually touching his face and you can see none, nothing on his face is moved at all by this flag. And he's like, there. Take that back to your queen. What are you doing? Your blood on the flag. Is it that hard to put more blood on his face the next time around? (laughs) He's meant to live, so it can't be that much blood. Yeah, so... Um, that battle happens. It's ill-advised by her advisors, so she doesn't feel like they've done mm, done good by her. Jeffrey Rush. Except for Jeffrey Rush, and it's meant to be like the Catholics sort of scuppered the whole plan. Yeah, then she basically soldiers and whatever um, takes that as that the Catholics ruined her plan to yeah. go to war, and she makes that is what like the unity of her country says. Uh, yeah, there's a vote of unification or an act of unification, or whatever. So she is. basically tries to get everyone to agree. Look, we're just None of this Catholic Protestant stuff. Mm. This works. This is the Church of England. Thank God that's not a problem anymore. (laughs) We're not doing that anymore. We just need to, we'll just be English now. And obviously all the Catholics are really upset about that. And it's, that's all, that's all really interesting stuff because you can imagine how reticent you would be to do that as one of the bishops because back then, like Rome was. King in, was king of the world. Yeah, you know, this was a massive empire. So <laughs> why would you cut off your connections to that massive power network <laughs> to be connected to who Elizabeth? What <laughs> Elizabeth the first? She doesn't even go here. You know. Yeah. So so I, I enjoy the scene though where they trap the 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 leading Catholic dudes them. and they're just like yelling and yelling. Yeah. Now one of my favorite scenes is when she's on the throne. And she sort of gets control of the room, you know. That's that scene of, where she's talking to yeah, them and she's she learning starts to giggle orate. with them, and and you see her kind of, and just the way she's performing it is so great. Where she's sort of like rubbing her arms, hands on the arms of the chair, mm. and she's just sort of like she's like, she like, seems super like relaxed in, in there too. Like she just well, I think you see her get it. relaxed in the scene. You see yeah. her struggle. She you saw her practicing her little speech. Mm. And then, um, then she's you, and you see her learning how to do this job. And I would have loved more of that. So ra- yeah. rather than that all happening in that one scene, give me three scenes of her in that room. And by the end of it, you see her figuring out what her toolkit is and becoming a politician. Yeah, and becoming a politician. So mm. it's like, and then she learned how to be a politician, and then she learned how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> And even though it's a great scene, it's more like a vignette um, than. Again, we want now we want everything to be a hundred episodes. And- but once all that is out of the way, an hour and one minutes into our yes, film, at the exact halfway point, we get to see a little bit of DC. Yeah, it cuts she's, to Rome with she, the lads. She is cut out Rome from 
cut out the Vatican completely from her country, yeah. and then it skips. We get a scene at the Vatican, and you know that because it says the word Vatican mm. at the at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, which and we meet, understandable. It's Why not? very understandable. We meet a very dark and gloomy Vatican, yeah. who are clearly the villains of our film. Yeah, yeah. If not the villains of the real world. Oh, oh, oh! Is that deep cuts? Deep cuts. Coming out with a take there. Ooh. Um, but we get to meet DC. And DC rocks up with another bad haircut. I told you it was going to be a bad it haircut. It was a bad haircut, but We've it was a good a bad haircut. Bowl cut. And, yeah, because he's a priest. That's what I'll they had. <laughs> and I, th- and I, I think, um, yeah. Oh, um, Vincent Cassell shows up before then and is a right creep. Yeah, but he does good. Again, I'm, I'm holding like, off that's on what he bombing. does. Yeah, oh yeah, he's... He's yeah, he's got one of the most so unlikable faces in the world. <laughs> you know? That's but, why he's so good in Oceans Twelve. Because twelve. 12, 12. No, I think it's, no, it's 12. It is twelve, yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, and just some of the most unsettling terminology for sexual acts used. <laughs> <laughs> Not but gonna go in into French. it, but Yeah, I know. It was worse reading it. <laughs> It was much worse reading it. Yeah, he's he's a creep, but he's so good at doing that. Yeah, and like he's very charismatic as, yeah. as a human. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah he's, so he he's turns perfect up. For that the scene role. in the boats really makes you hate the French as well. It's just a weird scene in the boats. Yeah, where he's in one they had boat, good fireworks. In those she's boats. in another boat, and then an arrow hits a guy, and mm. then she just lays there for a little while while everyone's just yelling out, "Help the queen! Help the!" And then another yeah. arrow hits near her face. I'm like, would not somebody be on top of her, like protecting the queen? Josefina's could have been, could have been, but he's didn't. Th- he's like, he's. I'm not sure how we're meant to feel about Josefina's character because, like, he's in a way, he's obviously meant to be the hero because he has the best hair, but he's also chiseled jaw, just a little bit flaky and. Yeah, I think I think they've I think I think they've done that on purpose to make him seem like yeah. why are you into this dude? He's a bit of a dick. Yeah, he's kind of like the artsy college boyfriend you might have, and then <laughs> when like the real world kicks he's in, living off his parents' money still. Yeah, and, like, as soon as that goes away, he will start chucking tantrums all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, and then like when you finally move in, you realize he's just weird and mental. And you're like, no, <laughs> this is not this is not the guy. But then. <laughs> I didn't understand that scene where, like, they all had to get on these boats somehow. Once you're on the boat, you're on the boat together for a while. And it's just him and her on that boat. I'm like, are there no rules? Like, Is this Frenchman supposed to be courting her? Vincent Cassell's over there. Everyone else is on other boats. And everyone's like, well, I guess her side piece is on the boat. (laughs) Giggling away. And then yelling across the lake, marry us. Yeah. He He would be dead. Someone would kill him. Yeah, he's obviously just like pretty drunk or whatever. And (laughs) There would be laws against that. Mm, Well, I guess. But even like without just... Like po- politically, in terms of the chess game, like this just doesn't seem to <laughs> doesn't work. seem smart, and we didn't need it narratively either. Like we no, know what that they scene are. didn't really make. I, I, it, the, in, you needed at least like hints at the fact that she's attempting. People are attempting to assassinate her. The yeah. scene didn't do well in making that seem like a thing because as soon as it happens, we're just back at home. She's locked mm. in a room. You can't visit. Yeah, That's I it. liked how. Like she's back. She's like washing the blood off from this assassination attempt, and they're like right there in like Mr. Jurassic Park is there. Like, so, what do you reckon about <laughs> Olme? Because we we really need to make a call on this. What are we gonna do? You're gonna marry him? You're gonna marry him? Yeah. 
Somebody shot at you, but do you want to get married to that weird, creepy French guy? Think about it. If he's around, the arrows might hit him. Ooh, and that's the dream. That's the, <laughs> that's the dream. Live on that French money. Baguettes. Elizabeth, Queen of France. A, mm. Well, doesn't she call herself that, don't they? I don't know. Or is it in a... It's either in this or in the sequel. People, people used to do that in those days. Just They'd call just, yourself Queen of something. You, you, you would call, Mary, Queen of Scots. The person in charge would just get called the queen or king of whatever the, they felt they were king or queen of, <laughs> you know? What do you feel you would be king of or queen of? Your choice. Um, what, in? In right now. In right now. Right now. Oh, not much. King of not much. I like yeah, it. I yeah. like it. King of, I don't know. I could have emerged as the king of something in the post-apocalyptic landscape we were maybe heading into, but it looks like society is going to bloody endure. So. Yeah. I guess I'll just keep... I'm quite disappointed, but I'm also not. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, good for us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was getting kind of G'd up to emerge as some kind of leader, but... I've been picking out shoes, shoes to wear in the apocalypse. Yeah. They've got to be comfy. Yeah. Got to be practical. Yeah, were you, were you going to do face paint? At what point in the apocalypse can you do face paint? I was not going to do face paint. You don't want to be the person in the apocalypse who's gone too far too soon. <laughs> you don't want, like, three days in already War fully boy. face paint. <laughs> Dude, there's just Dude. no toilet paper. Yeah. yeah. This is what we're doing now, right? <laughs> can, can, can we kill people yet? Is it? Can we do that now? Because that comes I mean, at that happens, point. right? Yeah, that, that, com- that, that comes at one point. But we're what, not, what is the point in the apocalypse where, you, where it starts being okay to kill people? Um, I guess it's just when there's no one's going to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> like, not there's that a question it's, of not when that it's, it's okay, okay to kill people, but like... At what point do you think people would turn so that mm. they're violent enough where if you're defending yourself, you can kill someone and it's well, there's, okay? There's the point in the apocalypse where you can kill someone and get away with it. And then there's the point in the apocalypse where someone kills someone and everyone else is like, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, that was what you had to do there. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That makes sense, Negan. Um, what? Negan. Okay. Right. I thought I misheard. Um, I did not like him. No. Awful. awful. Great actor. Great, great actor. But wasted just the show. Don't not, do not get me started on that. F- fucking waste of a, just a waste of a million opportunities. That's what that show is, hey. and it's one of the biggest shows of all time. Do they have no money? The whole thing looks like, like the thing. The been, first, they was, are in a forest with no set for ninety percent of the time. <laughs> I was talking about it the other day. The first season of that show actually has scary moments in it the first season is great because they're like they're moving to their thing they have a goal they get the goal and like there's there's stuff and you're just getting used to the world and it's awesome yeah. well the first episode is a movie and then it just gets fucking boring after that they live on a farm for a year yeah series two is real bad season three pretty good and then i mean i liked some of the governor stuff that the, the then- montage at the start of season three where they're living through winter that should have been that's, a season. Yeah, that's a season right there. Yeah, it's it. It's an amazing feat of just being incredibly lax and unimaginative. It, like, yeah, it just got so boring. Just an unbelievably just dilated story mm. in which, and that is the challenge of what they're writing because you have a completely open-ended premise you can do you can literally do do anything and what do you do other than it just being 
Get to a place, hide there for a while, something bad happens, you've got to leave again. Get to a place, hide there for a while, something bad happens, leave again. And but I get that that is a trap. Did. But that's, that, they've done nothing else apart from that the entire time. And there's just so many, you know, amazing zombie stories out there. Remember when they go to this, that CDC bunker? Exactly. Like, I wanted, like, how, how hard would it be to have you, you get to your safe place at the end of a season, and then a signal comes in from somewhere yeah. saying, please help us. Yeah, it's insane like, going back to that first season, seeing the stuff they were doing that's actually, like, really adventurous and interesting. New. Because you kind of, you get numb to think, oh, no, this is just what this show has to be. <laughs> no. And they keep killing off main characters all the time, not always as a narrative device, but because when no one can guarantee how long they're going to be on the show, the actors can't like unionize together and demand higher pay. That makes sense that's too. That's part of it as well. Mm. So that's really sort of shit. Yeah. Um, Sorry, we've been on a tangent now. There's no action. No, see, that's the thing. First season there's no action. has action. Yeah. But that's or what you want from a action, zombie show. The, or the action is killing a few zombies. That's what happens every time. It's not even a. It's not even a thing. See now. the episode where they like clothesline a thousand zombies. Yeah. Why? To show that they. That can. was just so they could get some MacGuffin to do some other tiny bit of a you know multi-season plan. I'm like, why am I watching this? Why are you <laughs> making us go through this whole, this whole thing? The antithesis of it is something like one something i've been obsessed with now is better call saul which i didn't like its early seasons but its later ones i'm loving because it's just like breaking bad again finally and we're not doing a really long um story about like an aged care facility um lawsuit what (laughs) i've not watched maybe my 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 you know my taste is too broad but didn't get it, even though it's obviously very well done. But now it's more crimey, and I get it. But that show will show people <laughs> going through lots of like te- technical, practical details of executing a plan. And mm. it's just incredibly engaging to watch. And it's in nowhere near as heightened a situation as a post-apocalypse. It's in just, you know, just a Albuquerque, regular, New Mexico. Yeah. But it just, the way it's shot and the way you care about the characters and everything they're doing in it, pays off somehow and is mm. and moves moves the story along in a way that I don't know, kind of hard to describe. In a, it, it's in a way that means something about the characters, but it's in a way that just feels meaningful somehow. I don't know. There's something in its visual language that makes you feel like you're, I don't know, drenching more or dredging more out of out of the story just by watching all of these bits that other people might have left out and might have not put on screen yeah the walking dead is just you get to see pointlessly everything but see in 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 a zombie apocalypse you have so much option to make it engaging by making it a scary or action-packed and like still have your emotional like character development it's not hard to do that yeah but we have been on a tangent for a little while. I mean, no, no. It seems to be the. No- I feel as though we're avoiding talking about the film. <laughs> we have talked about the film for about forty percent of our runtime currently. Sweet. I'm pretty sure if we were at about an hour. I said, "Okay, so what happens in the film?" <laughs> okay. Um, Daniel we, we Craig meet, shows up. We meet DC. Daniel Craig shows up, mm, and Bad I. Haircut. 
Uh, yes, and I think he, I think his character probably suffers the most out of all the characters about this very big story being told in two hours, because I yes. think he's introduced similar to the way he, as an actor, is introduced in The Power of One as sort of the second half villain. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a new character, and he's going to be someone who's a real problem in this in this second act. Yeah, not but like the second half. And he's built up a lot, and it's a real sort of anti-climax. It is built up for about five minutes of almost montage, where he gets sent with some letters from the Pope to help some Catholic people overthrow the Queen. Um, He turns up, murders a guy in front of Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, again, classic... Classic DC. Well, classic sort of drama plot point of, we're going to do a cool scene that just sets up who this character is yeah. and in this scene just he just grabs this guy who knows he's a traitor even though he's with these ostensibly more powerful people and this guy <laughs> works for them yeah. and i'm gonna dressed as a priest just beat him to death on the beach <laughs> and the but also just gonna watch. at no point is it mentioned later that that guy was a traitor like it's just no that's dc that's says he was a traitor Therefore, we assume. And he Christopher Eccleston is like, well, well sounds, I guess you just killed that guy. Sounds Maybe legit. He was a traitor. He can't do you, anything to like prove. Yeah, he's not. I mean, so. I don't know, but you seem very confident. So I'm going to go with you. <laughs> and so, and that makes you go, okay, this guy's a real, he's a villain. serious threat. Um, but, then there's that little montage of him getting into the palace with Christopher Eccleston being there, mm-hmm. and then that awesome shot of Mayor of Elizabeth alone. Oh, so she sees him in the sort of abbey or palace yeah. or wherever it is, and he's walking towards her. Flowing in, like, in his little snake robes. In that, like, late 90s slow motion you would yeah. kind of do back then, but not yeah, really anymore. Definitely. Like, he's in kind of slow motion for some reason. Lit by moonlight, walking. Just the angel of death walking towards her. Badass. For exactly 10 seconds. And then someone else comes in, he's like, oh, and then he jumps behind a pillar. And <laughs> or whatever. Away. And that's it. Yeah. That is that is his entire plot. He turns up to mm. assassinate her. You get to see this awesome approaching of the, of the assassin in mm. his robes and, like, then someone interrupts. She goes and finds yeah. the dead dead person because somebody poisoned. That's actually that's a, a plot device that I love. The that, poison dress. The poison dress. Like I've seen how that in a couple of films, and I'm like, how do you poison a dress? And how does she bleed that much from a poisoned dress? And why does the poison only kick in halfway through sex with Josefines? I think the poison might be sweat activated. Ooh. Like once the once something dissolves in the fabric. Then it's the acid starts to attack you, perhaps, and that's what kills her. I've that's never why she's having of... sex with Joseph, like yeah. getting it on. Could you stop calling her Elizabeth, etc., etc. Yeah. So once she's getting that little bit of heat built up, yeah, it's weird. That feels like sort of a plot development for his character, but it kind of gets swamped by the fact that the he woman just... he's having sex with, you know, dies dies from clothes. Yeah, but also uh, he runs away. Yeah. And you see nothing like, of that. Like really that doesn't really pay off at all later. A piece of shit now. He just runs, but you don't. They didn't show yeah. you any of his like. You didn't get to see him become a piece of shit and mm. run away and like hide behind something, fearing. Yeah. Whereas you could have. You know, Ladybird. I do like the movie. Josephine is, is Timothy Timothy Chalamet's character in that. Yep. Where you know he's kind of alluring, but then he doesn't take you to prom because he's just a waste of space, and he thinks he's, he's a, cool. He is a waste of space. Yeah. Good movie. Great movie. I like some Sersha. Well, Sersha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, we've, like, funnily 
made a point of how we can't say her name about four or five times on this show. <laughs> this season of the show. Sersha. Yeah. That's she, how it's... She comes up a lot. She's pretty cool. She's in Little Women. Pardon? She's in Little Women, isn't she? She is in Little Women, yeah. Mm. Which we'll be watching as part of the Daniel Craig podcast for some reason. So, <laughs> and I mean, you could have him show up, be set up as a really significant sort of threat, but then you undercut that tension by he's just, like, Walsingham just gets him somehow. And that's a surprise that he gets caught that way. But it's not done like that. It's just, it's oh, not. and then he was caught. And but it's done like, by Jeffrey Rush just opening a bookcase and again, there he is. about half an hour later. Like, yeah, you see his assassination again. attempt happen mm. and the chick dies. Yeah. And then it's mm. at least 15 minutes of film time before yeah. Walsingham, Jeffrey Rush, and his troops search the city for their guy. So I can like understand that character being there structurally for the plot, that someone brings these letters, she finds the letters, and yep. that's how they uncover the plot, and that's how all the baddies get executed. Mm-hmm. But that didn't, doesn't need to be Daniel Craig, and it doesn't need to be set up as an intense, scary person. No, it could just be a messenger. It could just be a, a priest yeah. played by someone less, you know... Less awesome. And beautiful. And with most piercing blue eyes. I mean, you get that awesome shot of his blue eyes after he murders that guy at the st- at when he first arrives. Yeah, it's like yeah. standing in the wind, blue eyes. Oof. Didn't they no realize... Blood. No blood. Didn't they realize how distracted people are going to be by those piercing, piercing eyes? Man, Daniel, if you're listening. Daniel. Well done, man. Yeah. Your accent in this one was spot on. He's like... His character is... <laughs> as an Englishman... You do really good at that. He's like the asset that gets activated towards the end of every Bourne movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's the third villain of the Bourne movie. You know when the people in charge <laughs> so are like, right, fuck this, get the the good one. And some super <laughs> intense dude looks at his phone in a cafe somewhere in Europe. Right. He's like, Climb oh, on. shit, all right, let's go. Yeah. And then like, oh, this guy's really going to get you. <laughs> but then it doesn't then happen. And no, so he, he, gets, he gets captured by Jeffrey Rush and been, then a torture scene. Yeah, like either Walsingham has to really cleverly catch him or it's like a fight with Joseph Phoenix. Oh, that could have been cool. Joseph Phoenix gets upset because his side piece got killed by a dress and so he... But it wasn't even a side piece. I think he was just banging her because he couldn't bang Elizabeth. Well, yeah, that's on, on the side because she's the main one. Yeah, but... Because in... she is a representation of divinity on Earth. Well, at the end of the film, she becomes that. Well, no, the queen is always that. Okay. But she becomes... No, she, that we, we get She it. becomes the virgin queen. We the get that, yeah. Um, <laughs> sure, Liz. So Jeffrey Rush captures DC. And then he's upside down. He's being tortured. That's a pretty pretty well... I like I like that it starts with just him with spiky hair. And you're like, why is your hair all spiky now? Yeah. It's like, oh, you're upside down. Yeah. And I don't know. I could be way off here. But I wonder if that's a kind of shot we get... Because the director also does Bollywood movies, definitely, definitely. Maybe he's there. There's just some elements of that where oh, there's a real sort of unusual sensibility behind the the camera. Only part in the film where that happens is this one torture scene where you can hang this guy upside down Mm. and be like. I feel there's a few shots that felt really kind of unusual, and the filming of the Shikhar Kapoor is a stone cold motherfucker. I think I was watching some some behind the scenes stuff, and uh, Jeffrey Rush was saying how he didn't really want to do this movie because he'd just done a quite a similar character, mm. and uh, and then he he said he spoke to Shikhar Kapoor. Hope I'm saying that right. And um, he was like, I I think about Walsingham as like Krishna, as in one of the Hindu deities, 
as in he's a very wise man who can kill people essentially and necessarily whilst smiling. Jesus. <laughs> and Jeffrey Rush was like, shit, all right. <laughs> this, you know, I think I, oh, wow. I wonder how much that's helped this movie that there's a like a, a non-English director va- yeah director yeah. Who's, who's just bringing who's, who's super fine with things who gets super it intense. yeah who gets it and gets the culture and all that but i don't know just puts a little bit of top spin on the whole thing that 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 refreshes it in a way that maybe someone who's grown who not grown up who's who's i don't know who's, who's more seen all of these to english history yeah. is like and it's more i don't know more, i don't know what he knows more familiar with the materials like oh we're going to present it this way whereas maybe he came at it from a slightly different angle i think also if you've come up from that angle though you could have made your villain or villains more a uh, threatening like at very very rarely in the film is there ever any really real feel of threatened yeah. Against Elizabeth. Yeah. The actors playing them are threatening when they're on screen. Yes. Like Christopher Eccleston is very, is, you know, very they're magnetic. all fantastic. But then what they actually do doesn't seem. But I mean, it's tough because so much great. of it is sort of a like a, an abstract sort of chess game. So nothing's actually happening where people are doing but these little You can power still moves. have little conversations in the corridor. Well, yeah, that's the kind of thing you get when you have more time. And you, when you, get and you all, have your 10, ten episodes. When you get season. all those little conversations in the corridor, that's when you can enjoy these little shifts in power that's going on. But when you can't see all of that and nothing's like no one's dying or anything, <laughs> then, yeah, that, you yeah. a little bit more. Um, so they torture him. And their way of torturing is by hanging tying a rope around down. his waist yep. and hanging him upside down so yep. that he hangs. And he tells them everything. He just tells them literally everything straight away. And we never see Daniel Craig again. And I... <laughs> I was, and at, at this point, I was like, I, I, I was, I was a bit annoyed with Daniel for doing it. I wanted his, his head to be on one of the pikes as well. Like, if yeah. you're gonna, if you're gonna have your scene where you show that you've now captured all these people and beheaded them, yeah, you have your things and you just have DC's yeah. head there as well. But, but I, you, I feel you like didn't even get that. If I mean, who knows what it was like originally? How it got edited? He might have, he might have got edited down. Maybe. But if you got given a script that showed what's in the film. I don't understand why he would have Said been interested yes. in it. Because he's like, well, I say like seven lines and then if, I'm done. And I understand, you know, if you saw the cast and everything, you might think, well, this is something, just a good place to be. Yeah. But I don't, come on, Daniel. I could have seen Daniel as Get into it. any of the other people in this film as well. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a pre, even though he's mm. got that boyish blonde hair and those yeah. piercing blue eyes that you would expect of a murderous priest. Yeah. But I think because he's, he's got that sort of, Murderous priest. Well, he's in him. I mean, we're going to be saying this over and over again, but he's got that physicality, that physical presence. He does that. Like you can that see has him come as the through in the Vinci Code. Yeah, like, and absolutely, and and all the other characters aren't very physical. So I think they were like this character, who I guess for some reason is going to be the person who's actually going to potentially fuck people up. We're going to get someone who's a bit more sort of brutish. But if you do that, though, you should you should have scenes where he gets to be brutish. Yeah. Like, as he's trying to assassinate yeah. her, have a scene where he kills a bunch of people to get to her. Yeah, like, we're, la- we're, we're, we're missing... Even if that didn't happen, an act. it's um, a film. Do what you want. I'm sure she didn't really look like Kate Blanchett. Well, she, the portrait kind of does. Yeah. Good casting. Yeah. She's, Jeffrey Rush. Man. Australians. Daniel you know, Craig. They get the job done. Those eyes. Mm, hollow bones. Mm, hollow. They realize the plot that's going on, and then 
um, they let Christopher Eccleston uh, sign a letter saying he's going to marry Mary up in the north and then they'll take over the throne or yes. something like that. And so then Watson gets to show off and be like, ha-ha, sucked in, bruh. And then they all get arrested and they all get executed. Straight away. Except for Joseph Fiennes, who um, she's like, I'm going to allow you to live and that will remind me never to let anyone into my heart ever again. You're all a bunch of bastards. And I feel like that's an overreaction to the fact that your first boyfriend was a dick. And that's quite common, (laughs) you know? There's other dudes out there, but yeah, it's her there's a of- whole other lot of fish in the sea, like less fish back then, but mm. like still a lot of fish. Yeah, but I think it's well more fish in the sea, but less. I know what you're saying. Yeah, she, <laughs> but it's interesting her sort of realizing that just the way power works in those days, she's not going to be able to be in relationships. Yeah, and I think she's sort of recognizing that any marriage she makes is going to weaken her position, and that kind of sucks for her. And then we get the scene where she gets to dress up as a statue. Yeah. Well, I really like the little scene before that where it's her and Jeffrey Rush and they're looking at the statue of the Virgin Mary. Me too, me too, yeah. And um, she's like, she had such power over men's hearts. And Jeffrey Rush is, again, just is right the whole movie, <laughs> which is a little bit of underwriting. But, you know, he said, people, people need you to be a representation of the divine. You can't be off you know, having flings and being a human, you need to be a, a symbol of... of People need something Earth. to look at. And... Something and higher then, than them. And he says, like, uh, with the Virgin Mary, no one's ever found anything to replace her. And that's her sort of realising she needs to sort of uh, take on that kind of aura and moniker. And then she... And then she... Becomes. Makes herself look like the portraits of Elizabeth. Um, and I, I, I really like that scene. And it made me think that... Because religion has faded so much, mm-hmm. you know, in our heathen society, yes. I feel like maybe maybe writers, there aren't many writers who are as familiar or as comfortable writing people who are religious or having religious conversations. I think in the 90s it would have been a lot more. Yeah. But I think in the think, last 10 years or so. Yeah, 10, 20 years. Because, again, the, as a comparison point, um, something like Game of Thrones the re- religion in that is uh, a farce yeah the religious ca- the religious characters in that are either people who worship gods that nobody else worships so mm. the people in the past and you're like yep you know that they existed at one stage but you've moved on you live your regular life now yeah but and, or crazy people who are in cults yeah and and whilst and it's all sort of a fraud and whilst there is a kind of state religion or none of the characters really pay in any mind and it doesn't it doesn't affect their lives, affect their lives which, until it does. Until is, like yeah, the church is, affects everyone's lives. Yeah, but, but then, I, and I think the idea of you know the religion being something like yeah sure, but the the realities of our life don't really encompass that. I think that's a reality for more and more people today. But that's we what, lose something. That's not how many people have lived throughout history, where if this is was stuff you believed affected how you thought about the world and how you thought about yourself and if you if you have no sense of that and no connection to that that's a probably a difficult thing to write and it just struck me with that scene of, oh we don't really get scenes like this very often probably because people think audiences aren't into it like you know well, I, especially I mean, a I lot mean, we're of trying people to do... now love the handmaid's tale yeah but that's, that's about, about how religion uh, is 
fraudulent and evil. Yeah. And, but that's still writing uh, not so much. And you can understand, I mean, you know, we're, we're trying to do sexy history here. And succeeding. And I mean, people aren't Jeffrey going on Rush. dates to movies where people start talking about the importance of the Virgin Mary. Lame. <laughs> so I love the yeah. scene after that scene where she gets a haircut. Because yep. it's just the first scene again where someone got a haircut and then they got burnt at the stake. Yeah, nice. And she gets a haircut at the end and, and ascends to be to her. Immolate herself, her former self, in the flames of duty. Yes. I like that. See, that's framing. He knows what's up. Yeah. Is Kapa. good old Kapa. On the ranking of Daniel Craig movies, where does this one sit? You've got, so far, because we haven't seen Obsession yet. We haven't seen Obsession yet. People watching this may see that Obsession is before this in the stream, but we haven't seen it yet. <laughs> when Daniel Craig meets his wonderful partner of seven years. You said watching as well, listening. What? I think Did I say people watching? who are watching. <laughs> if you're watching a if, podcast if, at home, if you're one of our home viewers. If you're watching this right now, um, put the telescope down <laughs> and I'm going to draw the blinds. So we've got The Power of One, Love and Rage, A King King Arthur's Court. For anyone who's, this is their first episode, what we're doing is we're not rank, we're not could scoring you, individual movies. We're saying we're ranking all of Craig's movies from best to worst. Could you fix that and put Love and Rage at the bottom? Yep, sure. I've got our individual rankings. Okay, good, because that's... So, for Isaac's ranking number, <laughs> you've got The Power of One, Kidding King Arthur's Court, Love and Rage. Thank you. Where that's does Elizabeth much go? Elizabeth goes... And we're doing... This isn't his best. No, it's the better film. But we're mixing that with best film overall. I want to make The best film it... he's been in or his best... I want to make it better than The Power of One. It is a better movie than The Power of One. Yeah. But his performance is not as good as exactly. The Power of One. And he doesn't get enough time. But is it a better movie? Do we care about... You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Where are you going to put it? I'm in the exact same place where I don't know. I reckon we put it under it because DC and The Power of One is better than DC in this film. So if you were like, what's a good Daniel Craig movie? The Power of One. You wouldn't say Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course, hands down. But this is probably better than Love and Rage or This Kim is better Court. hands down than either of those films. <laughs> At least somebody uh, knew how to make a film yeah. when they made this film. Oh, Kapoor knows. Make more films, buddy. What are you doing? Well, he made the sequel to this. Yeah, but wasn't not good. <laughs> more Dan- Australians. Daniel Craig wasn't in it. Abby Cornish is in it. Yeah, but Clive Owen is in it. Yeah. Not, not doing an Again, accent. Again, I can... Not doing an accent. It's just English. So That's the dream. That's the best Clive Owen. But they do the Spanish Armada attacking Britain, but they somehow try and do that whole story where there's only one character in it, which is Clive Owen, <laughs> in like a war. <laughs> <laughs> and she puts on armor and does a sort of... Um, a speech. Does a sort of Aragorn speech. Nice. But they only have like fifty extras, and so they're doing that thing where the camera's like at the on the ground, so you can just see the front row of people. But you can see daylight through them; like there's not many people there at all. <laughs> and none of these guys do anything in the battle because it's all out at sea. Yeah. And then she, I guess, goes back to the palace. Anyway, that's a whole other episode. It is. She's wearing the armor in the poster, though, so it mm. makes it look badass. Yeah, it looks. Lots of it looks really good, and. Well, lots of but this just, looked really good. This was filmed quite well. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. I think I think at all is nothing. Yeah. Nothing felt weird. But at the moment, The Power of Run is the best Daniel Craig film we've yeah. ever seen. Yeah, and this is number two. Yeah, yeah. And we're all gonna forget about Love and Rage. Oh, that's that. That's the third. That's the third. No, it's not. Movie. It is the worst Daniel Craig film we've ever seen. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> all right, what are we gonna do um, now? Uh, well, we're now now we're going to sign off. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, next, so next we're going to be watching the trench. Oh, the trench is next. Um, I mean, if if we were watching the TV movies, oh. we would be watching Love is the Devil: colon, Study for a Portrait of Francis Bacon. Is it a documentary? No, I don't know. I don't know. That's a long ass title. I don't know what it is. Oh, by the way, we're watching his documentary that he narrates called One Life. I'm down for it. Yeah. I would listen to those blue eyes all day. Yeah. I feel like we have to because he's like it's his voice the whole time. Like, yes, it's a thing. Like, we are and a also, bl- we've never we done a documentary to watch. You know, for us to get all these episodes out before No Time to Die, we have to do. I have, like, we have to release at least two a week. We got this. It's we got this. If I did all the TV movies, it's a, it's two a week. <laughs> We got um, this. We've we've successfully recorded pretty much once a week for a while. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. So, without doing that, the next one we're watching is The Trench, which I'm really excited Looking for. Looking forward. Killian Murphy is in it, Ooh. and I'm just high on World be War One right by now. After blinders. 19- nice. Thanks. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter Ooh. at Exceptional Thieves or send us an email at ExceptionalThieves at gmail.com. What I'm particularly interested in now is, do you know anything about a TV movie called Shockers, colon, The Visitor? Why are they all I've got, got colons? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I've got no leads on how to watch that. And do you know what happened with I, Lucifer in 2009? Uh, because... Like I have to know now. Uh, this is—is is it I colon Lucifer or I comma Lucifer? I comma Lucifer. So it's like I Frankenstein. Is uh, it? A- yeah, it's based on a it's a uh, based on a novel of some kind. Um, and yeah, we're gonna keep going. See you all next week. Uh, I think, and I think for the climax, I want us to go to see No Time to Die. Obviously, yes. I think we should do Gold Class. Mm. I think we should wear. I think we should hire tuxedos. Okay, and we should drink martinis. I don't like martinis. Me neither. But we'll we'll gladly drink. That's not what it's about. (laughs) Shaken, not stirred. Thanks, guys.